Come on, turn to somebody and tell them God's in this place. God is in this place. Now turn back to them and say, dry bones awaken. Dry bones awaken. Oh, that is so good news today. And I don't, if you're new and you've not ever been with us before, we get excited when we worship. We like to worship. And uh, that's why we say uh, Sunday's, Sunday's really about experiencing the presence of God. But not just experiencing his presence, but also being equipped for his purposes. This is an equipping station. You're about to be equipped to be sent back out into the world with all of this. Why would we keep it to ourselves? That's just crazy. Like, we're in here, we're like, dry bones awaken, Lord is in this place. And then Monday, we're like, well, I'm a silent witness. I, um, let's let my life kind of show it. I'm uh, a little nervous about sharing. But in here, it's like, woo! But I'm telling you, man, I, the, the excitement and the passion that's in here, I want it to roll out into the streets. And it's so great when I hear the stories of how you're doing that. I love those stories. In fact, I encourage you to grab a Next Step card anytime that you have an encounter with somebody for Jesus, you can write that just to me as your pastor. It, it, it encourages me when I hear, I, I, I was with somebody the other day and uh, I was at their workplace and I was interacting with a couple of their employees and then he came over to me, he goes, hey, um, those two, I'm, they're the ones I'm praying for. They're the ones I, I turned their names in for our anniversary and that's, that's who I'm praying for. And I think, I think she's a, I think she's really right on the edge of maybe, maybe coming to Jesus. Oh man, I was lit up by that. I was excited about that. I mean, you're taking the hope and the healing and the peace and the purpose of Jesus into our world. If you have a Bible, let's go to 2 Samuel. I'll let you sit down here in just a moment, but keep standing. We're going to read some scripture. 2 Samuel chapter 11. I read out of the New Living Translation, and if you um, don't have a Bible, maybe you're new to the scriptures, version's a great app, and uh, this is a story written way before Jesus came, and it's about one of the greatest leaders and greatest men of God who ever lived. His name is David, who made a, a really poor choice. We're in the series right now called Stay Alert. Somebody say, Stay Alert. Stay alert. We started this last week. We were actually supposed to be in the middle of another series right now. I talked about this last week, but uh, we're supposed to be in another series right now, but God just gave me these words, and, and they just came to me, and I just have been, say, have been saying them over and over and over. God was saying, you got to tell my people to stay alert. you got to tell my people to stay alert. And, and then I felt God saying, Brad, you've got to stay alert. And what I realized is the message that he had wasn't just about uh, for, for the world. It wasn't even for those who don't know Jesus. It wasn't for people who are even maybe nominal believers. But he said, this is a message for my church. This is a message for core church. So if you are grounded in your faith and you are you're like, man, I love Jesus and I want to follow Jesus. This message in this series is for you to stay alert. So much so that I, I, I was with Laura. We were driving to Oklahoma City. I won't retell that story. but I, And we saw that stay alert sign like 10 times. And Laura's like, I think God's trying to tell you it's time to do those theories. Stop preaching it to me and start preaching it to the people. And so I said, okay, we're going we're gonna to do this. So we pushed a series and we're going we're gonna to talk about this because... I, what I'm watching is, I'm, and you see it, 
godly people that are in your core groups? Where'd they go? Godly people who were in the house of God, in the word of God, and you're like, where'd they, where'd they go? What happened? Wait, 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 and they weren't, they weren't like, you know, just being crazy, like living crazy wild. Like, no, they, they, they read the scriptures and they, they were in a group and they were following Jesus and giving and serving and doing all those things. And all of a sudden, boom, they disappear. And you're like, well, where, where'd they go? What happened? And what I see happening has happened, especially in, in a vengeance over the last few years, not just at Core Church, I'm saying in the church, but this has really been a wave in the last probably three years or four years that I've seen, is there's this wave of people that have become distracted. Followers of Jesus, good, godly people who become distracted. Come on, turn to somebody and say, engage, engage. Yeah, some of y'all are like, oh, that's right. What, what was he saying? I, I was distracted. The people become distracted, and because they become distracted, then they become disconnected, and, and it's like those, um, those little bumpers on the side of the road, you know, the, the rumble strip, you know, that you hit it, you know, when you're starting to fall asleep, and it goes, and you're like, I got it, I got it, you okay, honey, I'm fine, I'm fine, but what I see today is that people have hit that rumble strip, and they've gotten used to the sound of the rumble strip, and it's kind of lulled them to sleep and they've gone over the rumble strip and, they, they, and they're good godly people and they don't even know that the enemy is at their doorstep. I love this story because this story here, when I thought about these two words of stay alert, I immediately went to the story of David because if you don't know who David was, David was king of Israel. Scripture tells us he was a man after God's own heart. He wrote the Psalms for Pete's sakes. I mean, most of the Psalms, he wrote them. This guy an insane love for God. But it got distracted. 2 Samuel chapter 11 and verse uh, 1 says this. In the spring of the year, when kings normally go out to war, David sent Joab and the Israelite army to fight the Ammonites. They destroyed the Ammonite army and laid siege to the city of Rabbah. However, however, somebody say, however, David had stayed behind in Jerusalem. Late one afternoon after his midday rest, David got out of bed and he was walking on the roof of his palace. As he looked out over the city, he, he noticed this really, really good-looking woman. And she was taking a bath. So he sent someone to find out who she was, and he was told, well, she's Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, and the wife the wife of Uriah. Then David sent messengers to get her. And when she came to the palace, he slept with her. She just completed the purification rites after having her menstrual period, and then she returned home. But later, she discovered she was pregnant, and she sent David a message saying, I'm, I'm pregnant. Father, as we look into your scriptures today, would you just help us? We need your spirit to speak to us, to help us to understand what it is you're wanting to say. In Jesus' name, and the church said, amen. All right, now you can sit down. I, I love this time of year. Anybody like this time of year when it starts cooling off? Anybody a fan of this? Like, oh, man, I'm telling you, fall is the best three days in Oklahoma. 
<laughs> it's like, whoo, where'd it go? I, I, once it starts cooling off, I mean, I am in a hoodie. I cannot, anybody else, you can't wait to get out your hoodie and just like put it on and, and just sit in hoods, hoodie and shorts. That's what I'm going for. I didn't want to wear shorts today because that would just be distracting because I got really hot legs. Um, so I didn't want to distract anyone and cause anyone to stumble. So anyway, <laughs> you're all like, yeah, it's not happening. So I, I love that. But you know the one thing I'm, I'm a sucker for? Uh, a throw blanket. Anybody, when the fall comes around, this one, Laura just got me this. We went to Breckenridge, and it fits me. It fits me. Anybody over six feet tall, you know the pain of finding a throw blanket that fits you. Come on, Brian Darnell, you feeling my pain? But, I mean, yeah, uh, I mean, but I, you know what I'm talking about? Like, you just, you just pull it up, and oh. Is anybody, is this not the, this is like the best. It's like, oh. Oh, all motivation goes out the window. Like, like, I don't even want to preach right now. I don't. I just, we'll just pray and we'll go home. You know, it'd be great is if we had, like, not throw blankets here at the church, but, but if we had row blankets. You know, like, we, we rolled it out and it went all the way across. We would never go home. We'd be in the house of the Lord for hours. No one would be complaining how long I preach. <laughs> oh, but I, when I get under one of these, though, I just, I just, all motivation ceases. I'm like, yeah, yeah, those dishes aren't getting done. Because you can't, you just, you, you know what, it's like a trap. You're like, I, I'm trying to, I want to, but I, I can't because, oh, I just feel so good. I think the great temptation of every, fo every follower of Jesus, every one of us, is to crawl underneath the blanket of complacency and get comfortable. Oh, the enemy loves that. Devil's always beckoning you to just slide under that blanket and just mm, ease into comfort. And once you do, he, he, starts, he starts talking to you. You know, uh, I know they talk about that kids fest thing, but you don't need to do that. Your Fridays are pretty important. You're right. Man, I, Fridays are so hard for me. I'll help on the next one. You know, you're a... Uh, that person at work that's having that, you don't, you don't need to get involved in that. You don't need, you, you don't have, you don't have time. You got a lot, you got a lot of your, you're right. I, mean, I probably should help them, but I just, I got my stuff that I'm got to deal with. And, you know, you don't, uh, you don't need to go to church on Sunday. I mean, you got you got important stuff going on, really important stuff, way more important. And you're just going to go, just go next week. Ain't that big a deal. You're right. You know, you're right. What's the big deal of being in the house of God? You don't have to be there every week. It's not like I'm going to hell because I didn't go to church on Sunday. That's so true. I'm just going to, in fact, because I, I, I can just watch it online. It's so much easier. Like, oh, it feels so good to watch it online. Anybody with me? It feels good to watch church online. Can I get a witness in the house? Oh, you are all so full of it. I would never admit that. I'm not going to, I'm not raising my hand. I'm telling you, when, when, the, when the pandemic shut the church down and I was home at, on Sunday and I literally had a throw blanket and I was watching myself with a cup of coffee, I was like, I could get used to this. I did. I loved it. I'm not going to lie. I absolutely loved it. 
This is great. You don't have to read the Bible every day. In fact, you go to church when Sunday and a preacher reads the Bible, you kind of know. You know, in fact, this story he's talking about today, you've heard this story, you don't even need to listen. You're right. I mean, I've read the Bible, heard it since I was a kid. I got it. I, I don't really need to read it today. And it's not that big. You know, uh, it gets really old making good choices all the time. I mean, look at them. They follow Jesus, and they're not making good choices, and their life's pretty good. Whew, yeah, you're right. Man, it's uh, always trying to do the right. It's so hard to do the right thing all the time. I'm just so tired of doing the right thing. And what's it going to hurt? Because it's not obviously hurting them that they're not doing the right. Why? Should, I'm tired of fighting. And what happens is the enemy slowly lulls you to sleep under the blanket of complacency. All your motivation goes away. Your motivation for the word is like, well, I, I, it's free tomorrow. Your motivation for the house of God, yeah, I just got other stuff. You just, you motivate, it's just, you can't suddenly, and, and you, you, you used to be passionate for God, and you, you want to have that passion, but you're like, oh, it's just all kind of dried up. And I tell you this, throw off the blanket of complacency. Come on, somebody. Throw off the blanket. Turn to somebody and tell them, throw off that blanket of complacency. You don't, you don't want to get caught under that blanket of complacency. You want to be passionate for God. You have a love for God. You have a love for his house. You have a love for God's people. You have a love for his word. But man, if you don't throw off that blanket of complacency, he will come in and he will steal it from you. The enemy comes, we're going to talk about this next week, he comes to kill, to steal, and to destroy. And here's David, a good man, a good man, a godly man, and he got lulled into complacency. The apostle Paul, he, has a, he, he talks about this in Ephesians 5.14, put that whole scripture up, the, the whole one, the, no, the whole thing, yeah, this is, this apostle Paul says this, awake, O sleeper, Ra read this with me, awake, O sleeper, rise up from the dead and Christ will give you light. The very first part of that verse, he says, awake, O sleeper, somebody say, wake up. You got to wake up. In, in 2 Samuel, we see that David had literally fallen, literally fallen asleep. He's, he was taking a nap when it says that kings normally go to war. Because it's the springtime. They have to march for hundreds of miles. This is when the enemy would attack. This is the prime time when he's supposed to be out there and he's not there. I don't, it doesn't tell us why he was not there, but I just think David was like, you know, man, I'm tired. Why do I always have to go? You know how many battles I've gone to? What's the big deal if I don't go to this one? I'm just going to take this one and not go this time. David is sleeping on his calling. Don't fall asleep on your calling. Well, I, I, I worked that. I thought I was going to get a big amen right there. I thought I, thought I was going to lift the roof off this place when I said that. You, no, no, it's too late now. You know what? I, I brought my own amen corner. Roll the video.
get my own feedback. <laughs> I saw that this past week, and I go, I got to work that into my sermon somehow. There's nothing spiritual about that moment. <laughs> it's just, I was like, I got to get that in there. Write that down. Don't fall asleep on your calling. Don't fall asleep on your calling. David had fallen asleep on his calling. God had anointed David for a king's throne, and he's sleeping in a king bed. He's sleeping on his calling. Genesis 1 tells you what your calling is, by the way, because you're like, don't sleep on my calling. That sounds good. Woo, hallelujah. What's my calling? What am I supposed to be doing? And Genesis 1 tells us. Genesis 1 says that our calling is to be image bearers of the king. Genesis 1.26, then God said, let's make human beings in what? Say it with me, our image. You and I were not created to be God. We were created to be like God. Like David. David had been entrusted with God's kingdom to rule like God, not to be God. But what's David doing in this moment? David in this moment is like, I'm king. This is my kingdom. People have to do what I want them to do. Like you think this was a big adulterous affair, like Bathsheba was somehow in on it. Are you kidding me? No, this, this is, he's, in this moment, this is an attack. This is a sexual attack upon a, a woman who has no choice in this moment. Because he's the king. He can do whatever he wants to do. He's like, this is my kingdom. I don't want to go to war. I ain't going to war. I want her. I'm going to take her. I want that. I get to take that. It's what David's doing in this moment. And so often that happens in our culture. This is the way our culture operates today, isn't it? It's my kingdom. I'm the king and queen of my kingdom. I get to decide what I wanted. No one is going to tell me what to do. There will be no political or whatever. There'll be no authority over me. I ain't going to listen to my boss. I ain't going to listen to my parents. I ain't going to listen to my spouse. I ain't going to listen to anybody. I get to decide what's best for me. If I want that, I'm going to go get that. If I want to do that with that person, I get to do that with that person because I get to decide because I'm the king. I'm the queen of my kingdom. But Peter tells us that as followers of Jesus, it's got to be different. It's supposed to be different. In 1 Peter 1.16, Peter says, For the scriptures say, you must be holy because I am holy. It's not Peter saying he's holy. He's, he's quoting from the Old Testament where God spoke these words, I am holy. Be holy as I am holy. Now, whenever we talk about being holy, you're like, Oh, that's, I, I'm out. <laughs> I can't do that. That's reserved for preachers and people like that, but, but not me. I mean, I guess I got to get a bigger Bible. Let's get a bigger Bible. Is that what I need to do? I mean, I need to get a prayer shawl. Is that what I need? Maybe get a big cross around my neck, neck and sit closer to the front. If I sit closer to the front, does that make me more holy? Maybe take my shoes off during worship. I mean, what, what exactly does it mean to be holy? I think that is a word that just seems like it's unattainable, but it's not. Write this down. To be holy is to be an image bearer. To be holy is to be an image bearer, an image bearer of God's character and God's nature. That's all it means. 
So when you think about being holy, it's like, oh, I'm just supposed to reflect. I'm supposed to be like Christ. I'm supposed to reflect his his nature and his character. And what's David? David is a holy man. He's holy. He's a good, godly man. But he acted in this moment in an unholy, disturbing, disgusting way. David, what? Can you imagine that? Like, wait, what? Who? Wait, who? David? Can you imagine in that day what that would have been like? Not, not David. David wouldn't, but David acted in unholy ways. Pride is unholy. I'm the king. I get to decide. Lust. I see her. I'm not going to turn away. I know she's married. I don't care. She's, I want her. And I'm going to keep pursuing that. I'm going to keep moving after that until I have that greed, deception. You, you hear in this story, if you read on in the story, if you know the story, there was this incredible deception. We'll talk about this in a moment. Insane deception that David got all caught up in, in an unholy way. He fell asleep on his calling. And we see this over and over again today. This is what's happening in our world has nothing to do with politics, has nothing to do with gender, has nothing to do with anything other than our culture and our world is acting in unholy ways. The answer for what's happening in our world today is this world word called holiness. The world is acting in unholy ways. There is abuse that is taking place in our culture, sexual abuse taking place in our culture. There is greed, there is pride, there is injustice, there is bigotry. What is all of that? It's unholiness. It's acting in unholy ways. Don't fall asleep on your calling. Wake up. Come on, turn to somebody and tell them, wake up. It is time for the church to act in holiness ways. It is time for us to show the world a different picture of what it means and what it means to follow Jesus. What does it mean to follow Jesus? What does that look like? Colossians 3.12. If you're not a follower of Jesus and you wonder what followers of Jesus are supposed to be like, here it is. Since God chose you to be holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with, say it with me, tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Does that not sound good? To be holy... To be a holy person is to react with a tender heart. When you don't react with tenderness, you are reacting in an unholy way. But when you show someone tenderness, when you show someone compassion, when you show someone grace and mercy and kindness, you can count yourself as holy. You have done a holy act before God. This is the answer for our world. It's it's not that difficult. Man, why would not anybody, you hear this, why would you not want this? This is what our world desperately needs. Holy people reflecting the character and nature of our God. David's uh, fatal mistake uh, wasn't when he stepped into that bedroom. I think David's fatal mistake was when he stepped off that battlefield. Because that's, that's when he, he got distracted. He, he turned his worship away from the Lord, and he turned it towards this woman of unusual beauty. His worship went from worshiping the Lord to worshiping this woman 
of unusual beauty. There, there's a lot of beautiful things in this world. No one is looking upon Bathsheba and not saying she was not a beautiful woman. There's so many good things in this world, right? There's a lot of really, really good things you could be doing. There's a lot of good things that you can give your time and attention to. You, I think there's a lot of beautiful things, but you got to be careful. You got, as a follower, you got to be careful that they don't steal your worship. Because you're created to worship the Lord, but over here is the beauty of the world, and it's always beckoning for you, it's always calling for you, and it's always wanting you to turn your head and begin to put your worship this way instead of this way to the Lord. Write this down. Don't step off the battlefield of worship. Don't step off the battlefield of worship. I believe that the enemy's point of attack when it comes to worship is this, Sunday worship. I think this is where he, he, he has his greatest point of attack because, I mean, think about it. Sunday worship, it's a battlefield. Because, I mean, it's a fight to get here, is it not? I mean, you were probably fighting with each other to get here, Right? <laughs> I mean, especially if you've got kids. If you've got kids, you're like, the fight began way back at the house. Where's your shoes? I told you to get your shoes. Why, why you not have your shoes? I told you to get your shoes. And ladies, that's not your kid. That's your husband. <laughs> you get in the car, and you're like, they're just, everybody's not doing what they're supposed to. You're like, we are on the way to the house of the Lord, people. We're going we're gonna, to, we're just going to turn this car back around if you don't want to go worship. I'm going to turn on elevation worship. I'm going to I'm rattle in here. It's going to be rattling in here. Rattle, rattle. I mean, just, you get, and then you get to church, and you're just all flustered. You've just all been out of shape. I mean, even those of you who don't even have kids, some of you empty nesters, or you never had kids, you're just here, and you're just all frustrated. And you get out of your car, you pop out of your car, and you're like, well, who praised Jesus? I'm like, How are you today? <laughs> yeah, doing good. Welcome to the house of the Lord. Glad to be here today. You just get, get on in that kids right now. Get on in there. I want to see you for an hour and a half. I hope the preacher goes over time today. It's a battle. Why do you think it's a battle? Do you think God's setting up that battle? God ain't setting up that battle. Oh, the enemy, he just, he's sneaky. He just comes in, does everything he can to keep you from worshiping. It's like, if I can get him out of that. Because here's what, here's what 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen says. Satan disguises himself as what? He disguises himself as an angel of light. I mean, come on, is anything greater than a throw blanket? I mean, look how beautiful this is. And the enemy, man, he just comes in and he's just like, oh, yeah, get under that. Yeah, you don't, you know what? It's okay. You're right, I'm so tired. Just going to go next week. I'm going to watch. Yeah, I'm going to watch this coffee thing. I was talking about that earlier. That's a good idea. I'm just going to sit with my with my coffee, and I'll watch next week. Then next week rolls around, and you're like, oh, man, so tired. I'm not getting those kids up. I'm not getting those kids up. Let's just watch, let's just watch church in bed. This is amazing. We're watching church in bed. I, have the, I didn't even have to get the blanket off. This is incredible. Get your iPhone going. Praise the Lord. I mean, it's just like, wow, this is great. And then the next week, you're like, oh, I'm so tired. 
You know what? We'll watch later today because they, they, they keep it online all day. We'll watch it later today. And later in the day, you're, you're like, I'll just watch it while I'm walking the dog. That's why while I'm exercising. I'm, I'll just get it on the treadmill. And then the next week, you're like, yeah, I'm, I'll just watch it later. And then, and then Sunday just gets away from you and you're like, oh, man, it's just crazy. You know what? I'll just I'll catch the podcast. I'll just, I'll just listen to it on my way to work. Let's do it on my way to work. That's what I'll do. You know, I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna to watch it tomorrow. I'm going to listen tomorrow. And then tomorrow comes. I'm going to watch it tomorrow. And I'm going to go, I'm going to go, I'm going to get there. My man, it's just life's so crazy right now. So. And the enemy comes as this little angel of light and he says, you know, there's a lot of beautiful things out there. Do you really? I mean, come on. It's your kingdom. You get to decide. Do you really have to go and worship the Lord? And he lulls us to sleep under this blanket of complacency. Come on, throw off that blanket of complacency. He is an angel of light. He comes, or excuse me, he comes disguised as an angel of light. And let me, let me tell you why he does that. Because the devil knows who and what you worship on Sunday is who and what you will worship on Monday. Because Sunday creates this rhythm of worship, a rhythm. What you've done today by being in the house of God is you've created this rhythm of worship. And this rhythm of worship is going to go into your Monday and into your Tuesday and into your Wednesday and into your Thursday and into your Friday and into your Saturday. What's going to happen is you're coming in here today and you're saying, I'm an image bearer of the king. I am going to reflect his holiness to the world. And you show up on Monday with kindness and Tuesday with peace and Wednesday with forgiveness and Thursday with mercy and Friday with hope and Saturday with healing. And then you're back in the house on Sunday and you're catching that rhythm of worship. And Monday goes to Tuesday, goes to Wednesday, goes to Thursday, goes to Friday, goes to Saturday. And your whole life is a reflection of your creator and your whole life becomes a rhythm of worship. But let me tell you what happens. You get in the house on Sunday and you got this rhythm of worship and you're going to go into your way. And what happens is Monday hits and you're going to be like, yes, and you're in the word. And then Tuesday, man, you're showing the kindness. And then Wednesday rolls around and you are a person of prayer. And then on Thursday, you're reflecting his glory. And then Friday and then Saturday and then Sunday comes and you're like, yeah, oh, man, I just I got that thing and I got that stuff. And, and, and so yeah, it's not that, Next week, I'm, I'm going I'm go, I'm to go next week. I get that. But then, and I was talking to somebody this week, they said, the weirdest thing, when I'm not in the house of God on Sunday, something's just off. Heard somebody say that to me as I have a coffee with them, and they said, it just feels off when I'm not there. The reason it's off is because the rhythm is off. Does that make sense? The rhythm is off. Because you're going Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And it's Sunday, and now, 
Now the whole week, the whole rhythm of worship is off. And you get into your Monday, you get into your Tuesday, and you're like, ah, I'm so tired. I just hit the snooze. I'm not gonna, you're not going to read the word, and you're not reading the word. And then Thursday rolls around, and you should choose mercy. You should be an image bearer. You should be a reflector of his nature and character. But instead of showing forgiveness and mercy, you lash out in anger in an unholy way. And you're like, where did that come from? And I would tell you this, it's because your rhythm of worship is off. And we got to get back to this rhythm of worship. Man, I say, no, that's for me and my house. We're going to serve the Lord. Man, I'm going to do, I'm going to fight against the beauty of this world, and I'm going to choose the beauty of my Lord and my Savior, Christ, Jesus Christ, and I'm going to pursue that in my life. I'm going to choose his image. It's this rhythm of worship, and you're doing it. You're doing this right now. Come on, turn to somebody and say, you got it. You got it. You got it. See, ladies, for some of you, that's the first time you've ever told your husband he has rhythm. That's the first time you're like, I watch this guy dance at weddings, and it's just an embarrassment. And um, <laughs> so now David is, he's alone on this rooftop because Instead of his focus being on the beauty of his God, he's turned his focus to the beauty of this woman and the beauty of the world. And he's alone. And I think, man, how different his story would be if his advisors had been on the rooftop. How, how much different would it would have been if he wasn't just alone? Uh, Laura and I, we, we, when we moved, when we were in between houses, uh, we had to live at her mom's house for about six weeks, and I came home one day, and I was out, I went out in the backyard, and I looked over next door, and over and next door was is this really sweet older couple, and Byron, who's like 80 years old, is up on his roof, and he's not just up on his roof, but he's laying down on his roof like this, and he's reaching over on the gutters like this, okay. Actually, it's more like this, because it was like this. And, the, and, and he's right on the edge, and he's about to fall off, and he's reaching for something. And I see it, and I'm like, hey, 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 Byron, hey, buddy. And I run over to his house, because I'm like, this guy's going to fall off his roof. He's going to die right in front of me. Oh, this is not going to be pretty. And I'm like, hey, hey, Byron, hey, 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 buddy, hey, hey, man. How you doing up there, Byron? And I'm thinking, okay, he's going to fall. I just knew he was going to roll off that roof. He had no idea where he was at. He had no idea how close he was to the edge. It was 105 degrees that day. And he was a pool of sweat laying on his roof trying. I said, well, hey, Byron, what are you doing? He goes, oh, I'm trying to clean out my gutters. What? Is that how you want to go? That's what you're going to, you get to heaven, you're going to be like, yeah. Oh, this is great. Here comes Byron. He was cleaning out his gutters. I thought, this guy's going to fall any minute. I'm going to have to catch him. I'm going to break a limb, but I can't let this guy die in front of me. I'm like, hey, let me help you down. And, and I actually managed to get him to the ladder. And I'm like, oh, man, I managed to get him down. And he, I'm not kidding you, collapsed on the ground. Laura got him some water, and he was completely exhausted. And so I climbed up on the ladder and said, let me get this for you, man. It was like a little six-foot strip, and I cleaned out the whole gutter. It took me like 10 minutes, you know, and I got it all cleaned out. And I climbed down. I go, hey, man, you're good to go. And he goes, oh, oh thank you, Brad. Hey, could you move the ladder over here? Because I got to get the rest of the gutters. <laughs> Two and a half hours later, I had cleaned out all of his gutters. 
the enemy is always working to get you out of the body of Christ and onto the rooftop alone. Because he wants you there. Because when you're there, so often we, we think we're okay. I'm okay. I, but we don't realize we are teetering on the edge. We are, we are about to fall off of the rooftop. Isolation is not your friend. Come on, tell somebody around you, isolation is not your friend. Tell somebody, isolation is not your friend. Write this down. Get off the rooftop of isolation. Get off the rooftop of isolation. Okay, they're not saying amen. Can we cue that back up? Come on, will you give me, I need my amen corner. Stinking oh, believable. Unstinking believable. Wow. Unstinking believable. Okay. All right. Ephesians 5.14 says this. Rise up. Somebody say rise up. Rise up from the dead and Christ will give you light. So if you don't know the story, David acts on this moment she becomes pregnant and then he just compounds his sin he calls for Uriah to come home but Uriah is like now I'm a man of great integrity and I will not while my men are fighting I'm not going to sleep with my wife and he's like no go sleep with your wife because he's like if I can get her to sleep with his wife then the pregnancy I can this smooth this all over and it doesn't happen he won't do it and he's so frustrated and then David just he sends a letter to the front. And he says, hey, when, uh, put, put, put Uriah at the front. And, and when the army attacks, just pull back. And they did. And he was killed. But David had one man who had earned the right to be heard in his life. Do you, do you have somebody who has earned the right to be heard in your life? Like somebody who can speak truth. Somebody who can get up in your grill. Somebody who can be honest with you. Do you have that person? Are you that person for someone else? Are you a Nathan for someone else? We, we see this moment, and I want to read it to you. It's 2 Samuel chapter 12. It says, so the Lord sent Nathan, the prophet, to tell David this story. There were two men in a certain town. One was rich and one was poor. rich man owned a great many sheep and cattle. The poor man owned nothing but one little lamb he had bought. He raised that little lamb, and it, it grew up with his children. It ate from the man's own plate, drank from his cup. He cuddled it in his arms like a baby daughter. One day, a guest arrived at the home of the rich man. Instead of killing an animal from his own flock or herd, he, he took the poor man's lamb, lamb and he, he killed it and he prepared it for his guest. David was furious as surely as the Lord lives. Any man who would do such a thing deserves to die. Like he, he must repay four lambs to the poor man for the one he stole and for having no pity. And then Nathan said to David, you are that man. David had gotten distracted. But David moves from complacency 
and he moves to this place of confession and he rises up, confesses his sin and God's light shines on him. 2 Samuel 12, 13 gives us that account. Then David confessed to Nathan, I, I, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan replied, look at this, yes, but the Lord has forgiven you. The Lord has, wait, what? We would never forgive that. But this is who our God is. God is calling all of us to rise up to rise up and let his light shine upon us. See, we serve a God who's not wanting to strike you with a lightning bolt. He's wanting to shine his light upon you. Why? Because he's a holy God. And when you come to him and you confess to him and you seek him, he says, my light will shine upon you. My grace and my mercy and my forgiveness and my compassion, it's all for you because he's a holy God and he will not withhold that. We will, I will, I, every time I read this story, I struggle. I don't know that I could have forgiven David. I'm just being real here, people. This is disturbing to me. In fact, I laugh sometimes because I see people are like, well, the Bible isn't true. It's just a bunch of made-up stories. Really? Well, why would you put that in there if it's a made-up story? I wouldn't put it in there. But this is our history. This is who we are. We're fallen. We're broken. We're unholy people, but we serve a holy God. Don't fall asleep on your calling. Get back out on the battlefield. Get off that rooftop of isolation. Let God's light shine and radiate upon you once again.